Welcome to episode 160 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Charles Pearson. He is a researcher and anthropologist at Envision. And before that, he was an anthropologist at Adobe. We dig into his background, what it means to be a researcher and an anthropologist, and all sorts of fun stuff. Before we get into the episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Wayno, for making this episode possible. You know Wayno. You've heard about them a lot from us. Uh, they are the all-singing, all-dancing, full-service digital agency based in San Francisco, New York, and Reykjavik, Iceland. Yes, uh, they are sponsoring the podcast because they enjoy listening to it. Thanks, team at Wayno, who enjoys listening to this. But they want the other people who listen to this podcast to just check out their work. It's really simple. They're not trying to sell you anything. They just want to help you get inspired, to learn about the work they're doing. Which is really incredible. Which is amazing, by the way, yes. Uh, they have written awesome case studies. Their work on Dribble is gorgeous and inspiring, and you should just check them out. Uh, they've recently launched projects for companies like Airbnb, Medium, Cisco, Lonely Planet, Google, Reuters, Dropbox, Red Bull, Boosted Boards. Knowing and spending time with that team has been hugely helpful for just learning about what it is that we do because they all do it differently. Everyone on the team kind of works on their own projects, which is super unique, and they take it super seriously and do incredible work. So what next? Just go check out their work. Go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Get inspired. Read the case studies. Check out what they're up to. And of course, if you want to follow along with what they're doing elsewhere, follow them on Instagram or Twitter or they're on hilarious Dribble. on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we'll have like, links. Amazing. We'll have links to all of their social media uh, in our show notes. Of course, if you are looking for a job, Wayno's hiring. Uh, they're looking in both their San Francisco and New York office for product designers, designers of all kinds. They're also looking for creative roommates for their Soho, New York office. They've done all the hard work of making this office. They just want people to move in, pick a desk and start working. So whether you just want to get inspired or check out their work or follow them on Twitter, click the links in our show notes or just go to ueno.co and follow along. Thanks so much to Wayno for making this episode possible. And with that, let's get into episode 160 with Charles Pearson. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hey. Uh, I, my name is Charles. Um, I'm an anthropologist. I'm a cultural anthropologist. And I am currently engaged, employed at Envision. I'm a researcher there. And... Uh, I love to ski and I love yeah. to pickle and uh -huh. I am, and I just before we went live I shared a pickling recipe so so I win for the night. Sometimes you <laughs> like to ski and pickle at the same time. Sometimes. The ultimate combination. It's really nice to sit on the lift and eat like a, <laughs> a good piece of pickled okra. Oh yeah. Just uh -huh. keeps you fired up. Uh-huh. Uh you're the first <laughs> cultural anthropologist we've ever had on the podcast. That's right. How does it feel? I don't know yet. I have to think about this. Um, <laughs> how, how how it feels? It it's it's <laughs> it's feeling okay. But you know what? So I'll just so I read this article the other day, and this can kick off the conversation. But um, Hormel, which makes spam, has an anthropologist working for them, and it's really interesting. So they, um, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to mess up all the all the facts and details, of course. Um, even though I'm an anthropologist, with it's the, okay. With we're the, not a we're not a factually accurate podcast. Anyways. It's good because even though I have a PhD, I what should be details? better with facts, what but details? I'm not. Right. Um, in any case, they noticed like flagging sales. This is probably I don't 
you know, sometime in the last decade. Um, and they actually, one of the first things they did, and I don't know who engineered this and who put this together um, and who came with strategies, super smart. They hired an anthropologist. And this anthropologist went- It's super smart to hire one of me. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you, everybody needs to have an anthropologist. Listen up. <laughs> Listen up. We bring gravitas to the scene. <laughs> have you ever thought about doing like a anthropology documentary on like tech? Like the old like British people like, I wandered into the village. Exactly. You know what? I, um, yes, in some ways. But so here's the thing. I've only been in software for about three to three and a half years. Um, before that, I worked in, I worked at UCSF um, in, the, in the medical school doing public health research for a long time. Um, I've worked in academia, done a lot of teaching, and I've done a lot of sort of academic type research. Wait, wait, wait. We got to get to that. But you never didn't told us about spam. <laughs> so spam. So <laughs> we never found out what the story was. <laughs> Do you like spam? No. Uh, no, I don't actually. So you know what's funny? This is a spam aside. So so I have two kids, right? Eight and ten. And my spam aside. This is spam aside here. Sounds like a, a way to get rid of spam. A way to get rid of spam. <laughs> <laughs> so so I haven't had spam. I don't know since I was twelve, maybe something. Who knows? It's been a very long time. But um. So my son, when he was in second grade and he went to this, we live in Oakland, he went to the school in Oakland, this elementary school, and he went to the public school that served like downtown Oakland and Chinatown. So it's like, it was like 88% sort of, um, you know, Chinese people at that point. And for some reason, spam sushi was huge among what? a lot of the kids that he went to school with. And so all these kids would come to school with like you know, spam sushi, essentially. And, you know, for like months, every day, he was trading his lunches for spam sushi, which we found out like months later, had no idea. I heard it was really big in Polynesia. I think it's big in a lot of places, actually. I don't know. I mean, it's really kind of delicious, even though I haven't had it in what? 25, 30 years. <laughs> I, it's like the pickled okra of meats. Oh, <laughs> sure. oh. That might be an insult to anyone who's a fan I mean, it's, it's of preserved. Okra. It yes. sounds kind of bad. Yeah, a lot of sodium. I don't know. When I was a kid, we used to have mac and cheese and spam. It was pretty delicious, but I was really young. But in any case, Hormel hired an anthropologist. This woman spent a ton of time doing what anthropologists do, which is what anthropologists do is they spend time in the native context, if you will. There's there's little quote marks around native context, right? Um, you go out and you spend time with people, where they live, where they are, what they're doing. So here's this woman spending a bunch of time with, with people in their kitchens and, and whatnot, and just trying to understand sort of their food habits and preferences and what food means to them. I mean, food is very cultural, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I love pickled okra. Partly, I grew up on it. I'm from Texas, and I pickle. We're going to circle back to that. And the recipe I use is from Lady Bird Johnson, which is, it's, you know, she was married to LBJ. It's like an old Texas recipe. So it like really reaches into some deep sort of Texas thing in me. Like food is food has that, right? It's like cultural, it's powerful. And so they had this anthropologist go out and actually figure out some of these things and then feed it back into their product. And they were able to, I guess they have all these like offshoot spam products now. Spam aside. Like spam, spam sides. Like, I don't know, it's like spam chow mein. There's all these little things they sell that apparently do very well. What? Yeah. So did she find out why the sales were falling? Um, she, I don't know if they addressed that in the article. They weren't doing enough side dishes. It wasn't <laughs> enough meal suggestions. You know, I don't want spam as the main course this evening, yeah. but I could really go for some spam chow mein. The point is, anthropologists... <laughs> oh, oh my God, bring a spam lot. chow mein sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> anthropologists bring... A lot of value. Bring, I mean, if... He's not biased. 
Yeah, I'm not biased at all. I am here on this podcast. I tricked you guys into doing this just so I could like really pimp anthropology. Yeah. What's the difference between, well, you kind of said this, what's the difference in the work that you do and what someone might normally think when they hear researcher at a tech company? That's a good question. I think that... Um, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> He's an anthropologist. He knows. Yeah. I do this for a living. Yeah. So. He's a PhD <laughs> in questioning. Exactly. It's. I think I really annoy people. Like when I go out... So. <laughs> when I go out and I spend time doing my research, I'm just like one question after another. People think they're done. They're like they're 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 dying of thirst. They need a break. They can't Chuck. stand. They can't stand any longer. And I ask yet another question. You know, what do you think of spam? Um, it's like why did you hit the K key instead of the Q key? Right? No, nothing like that. So okay, so this is the thing. So I turned to software about three years ago, um, three and a half years ago, and it was sort of one of these things that you know I. I've pretty much worked my whole adult adult life as an anthropologist and an ethnographer. Um, and I kind of just sort of needed a little bit of a shift, try something, try a different field. And, you know, being in the Bay Area, it's like what what happens here at software, right? And so I pretty quickly landed at Adobe on a short, short-term contract. Um, and I went in, I joined the design org there. And the VP of design then, who's no longer there, handed me this project, which was basically go hang out with young designers and tell us what's going on. You know, so it's very high level, you know. That's a really cool brief. Yeah. And I was a little freaked out about it, to be honest, because it was a 10-week contract. Like, I had just finished a dissertation. I had just finished, you know, a PhD. And in academia, um, especially in social sciences, you will spend, like an anthropologist will spend 10 years on a project. Like, literally, from the time you start it to the time that your book is published, you could spend 10 years on this thing. So your time frames are huge. And so it went from, like, this sort of 10-year understanding and thinking approaching a problem where you get really, really deep to having 10 weeks. And I, I was like scared to death. But in any case, I sort of did that contract, had a great time, did the research, um, found myself hanging out at that this summer three years ago with uh, Collective Ray. Brian Benitez was there. Uh-huh. Jeff Broderick was there. Uh-huh. Jeff was the person who hired me out here. That's how I met you in the first right, place. Right. There you go. And then they introduced me to Pacific Helm, which was Brad Ellis and Louis Mantia and Jesse Char and Sharuz uh, and like so it was really fun just hanging out with all these all these cool folks but what resulted from that I think sort of set the course for the rest of my work at, at Adobe um, and then has set the course for the work that I do now in Envision which is kind of like what I do which I think is a little different than what certainly what usability researchers do but also I think a lot of user experience researchers do is I focus I do a lot of early sort of exploratory discovery type work and a lot of what I do is sort of um I think it's it's a little bit more it's more high level. Like I'm not looking I'm not there to look at how people are using Envision necessarily. I wasn't there to look at how people were using Photoshop necessarily when I was there. It's more like I want to understand sort of the state of things, what are the trends, you know, where things are moving, what are you know, what are the kind of conversations are people are having? Is that specific to design tools or designers or you know, design in general? So this is what's this is what's interesting I think. It can be about tools. Um but I think that what the value that an anthropologist can bring to it is that it's not just about tools. Because what anthropologists are really trained to kind of understand is people and culture and relationships, you know, society in a way. And so I think that, you know, for example, like when I was at Adobe, that first 10-week contract, that first project, which again is like set forth, you know, this path that I sort of stayed on Adobe for most of the rest of my time there. Um, in that 10 weeks, and I joined Adobe right as 
literally a couple weeks after they announced CC, like three and a half years ago, I think. And at that same time, they had, an, they had announced that they were sort of discontinuing um, uh, maintenance or discontinuing fireworks or killing that off. So it was a very sort of pivotal, there was a very pivotal moment, I think, in what we now understand as product design. Very few people back then were calling themselves product designers. It was still like, I'm a UI designer and whatnot. I just put together that you started at Adobe like right before I moved here. Yeah. All of this was happening like right as I was moving. And then I had to get pushed back into Photoshop from Sketch because I had been on Sketch for a little while because that's all I could run on a MacBook Air. Yeah. And then I jumped back in and it's like, okay. But which was, well, back then it was Sketch Sketch 1.0. It was Sketch 2. well, okay. So when I, so when I spent the time that summer, like at Collective Ray and Pacific Home, it was Sketch. It was Sketch 1.0, and then oh, that literally that September, I think, Sketch 2.0 was introduced. So that summer and that that body of work, that research, um, what I ended up kind of really latching onto as an anthropologist was partly the tools. Like pe- back then, every, pretty much everybody was on Photoshop, although people were eagerly awaiting like sketch to grow up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. People were talking a lot about- um, had a lot of issues. People were talking a lot about Django Scala, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of buzz then. I love you, Mark. Hi, Mark. Yeah. And then, you know, there was, I guess those were the two sort of key things that were the uh-huh. two bigger tools that were occupying people's minds. But there's a lot of, unha- there's a lot of dis- dis- disaffection, dissatisfaction with Photoshop, right? It just wasn't at all optimized or appropriate for for the direction that, you know, what you might call product design or screen design, digital design is moving in. Um, but more importantly, and what I really sort of sunk my teeth into, what I found really interesting was that coming from Adobe, what I found was, you know, there were no real relationships between Adobe and this whole amazing sort of community of product designers, you know, that I was starting to meet and understand. So there are all these designers that um, many of whom hadn't gone to like design school, for example, were self-taught or had immersed themselves in online networks um, to learn and then pass that on by mentoring. So there was all there's this sort of really rich and interesting and amazing self-organized networks that were sort of really the backbone and were fueling sort of this emergent product design that Adobe wasn't part of, right? And so there's no real conversation, there were no real relationships, and that's kind of what I really started tried to understand and and sort of really sort of found interesting as an anthropologist. And taking that, you know, that absence of relationship, I guess, um, and that disconnect back to Adobe is something when I joined the Photoshop team afterwards, we really grappled with. It's like, how can we sort of communicate better, build better relationships, be part of the community, you know, and whatnot. And I think that, you know, it's like we can talk about tools, we can identify trends in tooling, we can identify trends and what designers are doing. But what anthropologists also think about is like, what is the relationship between designers and their tools, for example, was the relationship between designers, for example, and their technology. You know, it's like thinking about those larger things, like not just address the tooling, but it's like how can how can we think about like what what does spam mean to college kids? Mm-hmm. Is it just sustenance, or do they want something that's a little bit more meaningful out of it? You know, does it actually add to who they are as people? Do they want to grab onto it to sort of support their identity in some way? I identify as spam with spam for spam. I'm curious, you're the only anthropologist, first and only I've ever met working in tech. Are there a lot of you? There's only one Charles, Brian. There's only one Charles. Only one Charles. But I haven't, like, I've been, we've been talking to a lot of people, and it that seems like a rare role that hasn't cropped up in many other places for me. So that's curious. Have, have you guys run across 
We've talked to researchers. You've talked to researchers. Like user experience researchers. I don't know if mm-hmm. maybe titles is misleading here. You've done yeah. research trips too. I've done research trips, work mm-hmm. with researchers all the time. But this idea of a long-term anthropologist right. is definitely like you're the only one for that's, me. That's for interesting. Me. So even Facebook you, doesn't have... You're the have... only Charles for me. You're the only Charles <laughs> for me. Uh, maybe they do. I don't. I don't. Know know. Them, I, I don't work. With them. So here's the thing. I don't know. I've been. Uh, so I will admit that um, I don't have a rich network of research friends in software. Um, you don't go to all the that's why anthropology you came and hung out with us long term. <laughs> You're like, oh, there's there's friends here. Yeah. So I. So there are anthropologists for sure. There's a lot of anthropologists. So my, the anthropology I do in industry and software is called applied anthropology. There, are, there's a, a huge number of applied anthropologists working for Hormel and and. Um, in Silicon Valley, everybody's working on autonomous cars, right? That is the hot thing right now. Um, I noticed that Nissan, a bunch of them have hired anthropologists to help with those projects, which I think is really interesting. Because so there's, there's, again, there's rich issues there around transportation to dig into, like what do cars mean to people? Yeah. How are they going to feel about like getting into a car and not having control, right? There's a lot of those really sort of, ri- I mean, cars are such a part of so many Americans, like cars are really important to them and and matter to their identities and who they are as people. Um, so there's a lot of anthropologists out here doing stuff. I actually don't, haven't met many others in my sort of immediate work around design. Um, a lot of the folks in software come from either cognitive psychology has been in the traditional field. There's a lot of folks that come from HCI, human computer interaction. And they, like HCI especially, I think they're taught some of the methods that like ethnography is this sort of hallmark tenet that comes from anthropology. Again, this idea of spending is, you know, ethnography is this idea of spending time in the native context with people in their settings, rather than bringing them into the software lab mm-hmm. to like look at how they're touching the iPad and if, if, if your design makes sense to them uh-huh. or not. But I think that, yeah, there should be more anthropologists. There's probably not enough. Why do you think there aren't more? You know, that is a gr- another great question, Brian. I, How do you do that, man? I've been practicing all day yeah. in my head. Yeah. It just comes out so natural, too. It's not even canned. Like, you'd think if you'd been practicing all day, it would just come out. No. You know? No, see, that's how I practice it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I think that's a good question. I think that um, because most places are probably still hiring, are not used to hiring anthropologists, like, they're they're still relying on the traditional fields like cognitive psych and HCI. I also think it's probably the fault of anthropologists. Most anthropologists do not, necessarily go into applied anthropology first like they they want there's most people aspire to be academic anthropologists i think um and i could get in trouble for this but i don't know um but all, I, the, anthro- the anthropologists <laughs> listening the anthropology police are coming I, i'm sure there's going to be like two that are going to hear this podcast i don't know which would be great yeah call me let's talk but um but in any case i just yeah maybe i think a lot of anthropologists um well that's not true i have a friend who came out of my program uc davis who's working for red inc on the east coast um, which is like an ido ish kind of place it do some cool stuff. Um, IDO has a huge number of anthropologists. I mean, they, you know, they're not software specific. Um, you know, they do a lot of amazing design work. But um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a lot of the software houses around here don't have anthropologists. Right. And I think it's, I think it's, I think they're not looking at them and anthropologists aren't looking at them. But. Is this a role reserved for big companies? Like, does it make sense for a startup to have an anthropologist? Totally, man. So describe the formation of a startup to me. Originally? Mm-hmm. You're probably looking at a business co-founder and a developer co-founder, like a technical co-founder, and then they'll add in a designer because that's what they heard they're supposed to do. And then uh, eventually they'll, they'll probably hire like three or four more engineers mm-hmm. and then maybe a PM. Customer support. 
maybe customer support, but you're probably looking at someone who's kind of like an administrative assistant role first, filling in that side, maybe a partnerships person or a salesperson, biz dev. I guess it depends on the startup too. We yeah, we made right. a very big assumption when we started it. Yeah. Well, that's that's like the story I hear most. Yeah, yeah. I That seems like the archetype. Right. So business, engineering, a designer. Uh-huh. That, and that designer will do... We'll span product and marketing, right? Everything. Yeah, right. Everything. Do everything. Icons, yeah. logos. Yeah. So in my view, and again, it depends on the startup. This is generalizing, but it's like, why why couldn't there be an anthropologist like right in there? Because in my view, it's like, if you if you have this idea, you have some kick-ass idea, you know, you want to you wanna figure it out, you want to get it built, you want to get it out there. It's like, what anthropologists can be really good at is understanding a certain space um, helping understand what's happening in that space, where the opportunities are, you know, what are people's relationship to whatever it is that's already existing there that you're trying to sort of maneuver around and and take a little bit away from that to carve out your own niche. You know, it's like that's what anthropologists are really good at. I have a hypothesis. Hmm. I'd love your response. We fetishize moving fast. And for you, 10 weeks was an incredibly fast time frame. Mm-hmm. But in a software cycle, 10 weeks is death. Right. If you don't release every ten weeks, like what every the ten fuck weeks, are you doing? faster than that, right? Yeah, like every week. I'd say two weeks, but All right. so ten weeks is scary, right? Right. To say we're not even going to have the first round of insight at all. Yeah. Yeah. The, the that's, non-concrete deliverables seems like the that's scary. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? So, and I'd I'd love to hear your. See, here I am. I'm flipping the table. Let's tables, do it. Man. Let's do it. Let me ask some questions here. Um. So as part of my research for Envision, right, I spend a lot of time with teams and at, at companies, just like I'm in the field, just seeing what's going on. And it seems like a lot of places from agency to mid-level to sort of really large, you know, places here in the city are teams are struggling with, they're, they're grappling with that exact model, right? How to work on these you know this 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 scrum focused sort of process like like what are the problems with this one week sort of sprint you, style you just can't right? work in scrum right so scrum here's the thing stops you from working right and so everybody's struggling with that so what i've found is a lot of teams right now are trying to figure out how to carve out more space up front you know to be able to do sort of more exploratory work to understand the problem to prototype and iterate iterate on some kind of solution and have a really concrete solution in hand and then sort of move move forward with engineering, right? The engi- I mean, the engineering is represented in this sort of exploratory process. But the other thing I've noticed is that everybody is within this sort of like problem solution space where they're, they're exploring, they're experimenting, they're prototyping. They all want um, sort of user feedback. Everybody's looking mm-hmm. to substantiate their ideas and user feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, so that whole process takes time, you know. So I've just noticed this sort of little movement. And, you know, I think that there's long been a dedication to getting user feedback. And but it seems like now people are willing to actually break from sort of this scrum focused process to try and create another process that where there's a lot of there is a lot of space around design um, and research um, and iteration before they move to that sure that's like one of the tenets of like the ux movement though mm-hmm. right it's like build in research at like every step yeah i mean i i, I agree with, at it, though. i agree with that that direction i think having more upfront design time i guess selfishly right. as well right i think would end up at a better solution so you're not 
rushing in and shipping the first thing that gets on the screen. Right. Um, but I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing because is that user research and usability testing or is that anthropology? Well, it could be both, but I think that it's, um, well, I see it as anthropology. And in all honesty, this is sort of like the kind of space that we're trying to carve out in a vision that, and the kind of space that I'm trying to carve out for research and my kind of research in Envision right now, um, which is like this really early, higher level exploratory discovery type research. But but this is this is how I see my work and this is why I think it can fit in with what we're talking about. And this is why I think every sort of startup needs to have an anthropologist on board, <laughs> which is, this is how I see my work is like, I, okay, so I'm working, you know, I'm working for Envision. So let's use Envision as an example. I go out and I spend a bunch of time with designers and design teams. And, uh, and let's say I'm exploring some issue. You know, let's say I'm thinking about like team collaboration or whatever. Um, That's a good one. So I do this early work and I go out and I just spend time with teams to see how, what, who's on the team? What are they doing? How are they collaborating? How are they communicating? You know, what does the workflow look like? What are the tools? You know, where does it work? Where does it fall apart? Look at all that kind of stuff um, and generate sort of this higher level broad view of it. But at the same time, I'm meeting people and I'm engaging with people and I'm building relationships with them. And I can go back to Envision not just with sort of this body of knowledge, like I can take, go back with, you know, and synthesize all these insights and findings and identify some opportunities potentially and some spaces to explore. But then I also go back with all these relationships to people who I've sort of engaged with who are grappling with this problem. And if we either, maybe we either have a product that we're, we're working on, or maybe there's a new product initiative that we're going to undertake, those people that I meet in the field, I will try and enroll them. And this is, you know, as I did this at Adobe quite a bit, enroll them in and build feedback loops. So get these people, build feedback loops and help them be part of that product development process from the earliest stages on. Um, you know, through through it through its cycle. You're the man on the inside, right? I guess, yeah. The secret man agent Charles Pearson. Yeah, that, that's actually that, a, that's that. a pretty good secret agent name. Yeah, Charles Pearson. That's a very like strong name. <laughs> yeah, equivalent in strength to uh, I don't know Jason Bourne, something like mm, that. Okay. Okay, I'm kind of st- struggling to to frame this in my head because I personally feel like that's incredibly valuable, but it's not happening that much. Right. Um. Maybe no I'm, maybe I'm just out of touch. I think like so at Facebook we do something similar, but we're not like anthropologists and right. at startups. We don't call them that. Yeah, we don't call them that. So maybe I'm getting hung up on on titles or um, people who do that. We tend to call design researchers, and it's probably right. not as formalized or rigorous. Oh, you know what? But Facebook I, does have anthropologists. Oh shit! Or because I actually what do you know Brian. Nothing. Well, no, but I think that they might be. Um, and Twitter does too, actually, or they used to. And so when I was first, now I remember when I was first looking for a job, my first software gig, um, I actually applied for a job at Facebook because they were looking for an anthropologist because this anthropologist had written this great book on how people in Trinidad and, and Tobago use Facebook. And this recruiter, so I sent my letter and this recruiter called me and she referenced this book. And I was like, oh man, I know that guy in front of this book. Da, da, da. And they were looking for somebody specifically to go overseas into international markets and try and understand not just Facebook, but how people communicate, yeah. how they're communicating online and what that means to their relationships. All it that makes kind of sense. Stuff, it's just you know? maybe, yeah. maybe like what you're saying, you know, don't know of that many out here. Like, and you are an anthropologist. So it kind of makes sense that I guess I haven't heard of them. Right. But of course, it would make sense for these kinds of companies yeah. to have them out in the field. Right. I th- I'm really interested in like the long-term scope of things for you. Like 10 mm-hmm. weeks is a 
pretty long time in a cycle. When you come back from 10 weeks of hanging out with people and watching them do what they do, what is the deliverable? Like, what do you, what kind of recommendations would you normally make? Is it mm-hmm. a product recommendation, a strategic recommendation? Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's another good question, Brian. So, um, <sighs> man, you're just nailing I'm it. just getting started. Can you buddy. stop telling him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're really pumping my ego up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's funny. So, I mean, essentially what I will produce is, um, a deck and I will sit down potentially, and I just did this the other day actually with Envision with, with the product team, um, the rel- whatever the relevant sort of stakeholders, I guess, or the key people are, um, and move through the stack. And okay, so this is the thing I don't do personas, I hate personas. And I think there's a lot of folks in this industry, a lot of research traditionally has, has produced these personas. And there's sort of like these, you know, they're, they're fiction. <laughs> they're not, they're really abstract. Um, you know, researchers might go out and they might talk to another people and then come back and say, okay, we have a Kathy persona, which is like the mom, the this, that, the other thing. But it's not based, it's not, act, there's no actual real Kathy. Persona so, non data. Yeah, I think they're just too abstract. And so what I try and do is always stay and remain very concrete. So, you know, in, in this deck, I guess, in this talk, and I'll sit down with everybody and we'll spend it you know, a lot of time and just move through through this stuff is I will point to specific teams and specific people, talk about who these individual designers are. Like, this is Brian Benitez, you know? And three, you know, three years ago, he was like 22-year-old, 23-year-old Brian Benitez. This is where he comes from. This is what he wants to be. This is what he's struggling with. This longest is hair in the world. Longest hair in the world. You know, and then move through whatever the relevant issues are, but try and really keep it concrete so that it's it's there's relevance there. And I think it's important. And then, you know, I'll try and tease out what's important, what's interesting, you know, what is it that Brian shares with, you know, Brad Ellis, what's going on between Pacific Home and Collective Ray, and try and pull some of the some of the trends out, some of the generalizations. Um, and then I never really end anything by suggesting like I don't really do actionable items like a lot of I think user experience researchers do or use design researchers what I try and do is say here's the problem um, and then it's like how does this problem sort of align or not align with what we're thinking and what we're doing with and then basically hand it over to the to the designers and the PM and whoever and be like here's your problem how are you guys going to address it and solve it you know cool so you don't actually make like a product recommendation, like no. I think we should build X. It's like no. identifying the problem yeah. in the first place. Yeah, because I don't. That's I actually don't see that as my job. I think like yeah, you don't I'm, come from tech. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's it. So I'm like, here's the problem. You guys figure out what to do well, with like, it. Like you know, if you specialize in research, should your job be like defining product? No. Identifying no. problems is insanely valuable, right? Right. But right. then solving those problems is the next role in the chain, right? right? Yeah. But it, and then the ne- and then it, to go back to what I was saying earlier, it's like if you know if I've done my job and built some relationships and have met people and sort of gauged their willingness to participate and help out and provide feedback, you know, then I pull then I can pull them in. And I don't do a lot of validation research, um, but you know, I do like at Envision, for example, what we're trying to do is set it up so that. Um, we're putting a lot of concentrated research in the early sort of exploratory phases. And then when it moves into the validation work, like I help build the feedback loops, I help bring the product teams and users together and put them in conversation and try and facilitate the conversation, keep it going. But we're trying to move to a place where the PMs are going to be mostly doing that validation research. You know, like I'm there, I can help, I can support, but I'm not the one having to actually do it, control it and make sure that it happens. Got it. You know? Okay. So now 
here we are with you who have talked and been with so many teams and people. I'm curious how you think. Who's about, the best one? Who's the best designer? Go. Um, the best designer. I don't know. Is it Brian Lovin? Is it Brent Jackson? Neither of those are true. <laughs> I like where this is going. Is no, it? <laughs> I am curious that I love talking to people that have large sets of data and like trying to understand patterns and trends that that you're seeing. So you've talked to a lot of designers and hung out with a lot of design teams. What are what what are you finding? Like main problems? What are people doing that that are surprised is surprising to you or interesting in terms of building digital products? Right. Um, yeah, that's a tough question. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's good because it's tough. Um, I mean, that's a big question. I think that- You can break it down if you want. You know, I kind of fell into this space pretty much accidentally. It was just, it, you know, it was just very arbitrary that I sort of ended up here like three and a half years ago, kind of fallen into this product design space. But um, over the last three and a half years, it's like so much has changed and shifted, not just in the tools that people use, right? There's been a big movement from Photoshop to Sketch, for example, um, but also just in- sort of how product design has matured, grown and matured and and actually like has a definition to it and has a, a shape and a body and has some methods, it's a process. Like it's 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 been really interesting. Um and I feel like and you guys could totally correct me here, but you know, like I feel like design is more important now. It has design and product designers have a little bit more weight and a, and definitely more of a voice and the community is solidified and is bigger. I could be wrong. You guys can no, tell me that's, that. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. so. Um, and so like some of the problems that I saw early on were, you know, the community was there, the voice was there, but, you know, it was it needed to mature a little bit and solidify and find itself. And I feel like that has, and it was finding itself. I don't want to say it wasn't, but it, but like something really has happened and is there and is tangible and and has weight and whatnot. Um, so I think now, you know that that process continues. I think I think it's. Int- I mean, I think that to go back. So what? So what do I find that people are struggling with? I think that to go back to what I was saying a minute ago. I think that it seems like despite that, designers and design teams are still struggling with how to in their companies and with their products have more influence, right? And carve out more space, you know, to be able to do that exploratory um, sort of discovery type work in order to really sort of have, and this is such a cliche, but to have like, you know, sort of design led Uh innovation, I guess, Uh or design led product design. A seat at the table. A seat at the table. Yeah. Don't even talk to me about seat at the table, people. You think you think you guys have it bad? Research has it bad. Do you think research should have a seat at the table, Charles? Research should have a seat at the table. <laughs> I think, should build I thank the table you. Let's themselves. get him started. Let's get him started. <laughs> I thank you for bringing me to the table here. You're welcome. Um, First nice thing we did was give you a seat at the table. Yeah. Yeah. You've had a seat at two tables already tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, so I, I mean, I have this little thing that I say. It's like I feel like the work. Like doing research is the easy part of my job. It was, you know, in software, but the hard part is is making it matter, you know. And this might be this might be, you know, how how some of you designers feel as well. It's like for me again, the easy part is talking to people, listening, you know, asking questions, learning what's important, 
but then taking that back and getting the right people on the team to listen to it and then to actually get them to act on it or to consider it and and move in the right ways that's like that's the hard part getting to see the table that's the hard part how do you do it tell me oh man blackmail uh-huh. like all sorts of just nefarious horrible things um i think that i don't know i think that i just try and do it by just making just trying to be relevant like making sure that what i bring back like actually is important and matters. I mean, there's no other way to do it. I mean, well, the other way to do it is this, is that you always have to figure out how to communicate, right? And this is a key thing for designers. It's like, you can do your design, but then if you can't communicate it to anybody else and sell it, you're in trouble. And it's been, I've had to learn the same lesson as a researcher, actually. And so it's understanding partly how to have, like I can produce the deck. I had to learn how to do a deck. Like coming from academia, I didn't know how to put together like a decent keynote. No one in academia does. No, you don't. But it's, but it's not. It's not. You write articles mm-hmm. and books, and you you go give a talk somewhere. But you you and you it, you might have a slideshow. But the slides are just they're actually it. They're slides. They're photographs or images that you're showing to a company. Like your your text. Your you know your your talk. Like that first contract when I had to produce. I was panicking, man. I did not know how to produce like a decent a decent deck that could tell a story. Um, and so I had to learn how to do that. And so part of doing that is like, what's in there? How are you communicating? Um, you know, you have to bug the right, you just have, you have to be really aggressive. I think it's the same as design. You know, if like you want to get, if you want certain people to hear what you have to say, you just have to make sure that, you know, you have to figure out how, how to get them, how to get it in front of them. Right. And, and how to have really motion. sweet transitions between your slides. Yeah. <laughs> Magic move. Captivating sparkles, explosions. Yeah. So that's a really interesting conversation about communication and design because I think a lot of designers assume that if they put something in front of someone else, they'll just understand what it is and how they thought about it and what's like maybe not there yet or like they just, hey, just look at this. Right. Cool. It's done. Right. Like, right. It's amazing. Right. But I think design and development, like I've been kind of harping on this lately. I'm trying to figure out what it is, but I think design and development have become kind of a translation layer between humans and computers with the end goal of having the computers right. communicate the thing to a user again. Mm-hmm. But because they are in that role of like communicating between a user and a developer or whatever, um, they just assume that they're good at it because they do it. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't do it well. Right. That it's really like, silly. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. I often wonder because you do it, does that mean you do it well? Mm. Yeah. Like what are the ramifications for the designer of shipping bad design. There's not really, like maybe you get fired. Well, everyone like, starts at bad design. Well, if you except ship- your product sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Your company fails and yeah. everyone dies apocalypse, right? A company apocalypse. <laughs> no, you look skeptical, Brian. <sighs> I don't know. I guess that so we're gonna have to cut this really awkward. Talk style. with your mouth. <laughs> I'm trying to process it. I'm trying to see where communicate this. Well, I'm trying to understand where. <laughs> yeah, clearly, I'm bad at at communicating. Like, w- where do you see people? Like, what's the breakdown? Is it between users and designers? Between designers and engineering? Or between engineering and then the computers? Like, there can be a breakdown everywhere. Sure. I mean, but I think the designers we all like know and love are the ones who are best at communicating a thing very, very clearly yeah like even illustrators they communicate emotions super like ryan putnam for example 
the clearest emotion and he everything feels story driven mm -hmm. right that communicates a thing in a few panels maybe or yeah. a few spot illustrations yeah. um the th that's the easiest example to give but. this rings true like what charles was saying about just having more room to understand problems right so that you can communicate effectively about the mm -hmm. problem and right having the time to understand the trade-offs you're making with decisions feels you have to fight for that space right 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 what's interesting for for me is you you hand off you hand off your findings your brief and your recommendation mm -hmm. do you have any sort of iteration loop on that or like feedback that says what you found led to x and x was either successful or unsuccessful um, now let's go do it again i mean yeah or is it always like the next big discovery thing um archaeologist Archaeologist. Archaeologist. Yes. I mean, it depends. I mean, so the thing is, I'm, I'm him and hawing because, for example, like my current gig at Envision, I've only been there four months. So, you know, everything's a little new and, you know, I'm still sort of... Sort of four months into a 10-year turnaround. <laughs> yeah. You got a long ways to go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so my, you know, my own sort of niche there and, and sort of role and stuff is still, is still taking shape and being defined. But like at Adobe, for example... Um, you know, after that first that first thing I did, I ended up moving from the design org to the Photoshop team, where I spent about a year and a half, close to two years, I think. Um, and they sort of tasked me; they let me, they had me continue to work in sort of this higher sort of level role, focused on design and product design. You know, helping sort of you know understand what to do with Photoshop as a as a product design sort of tool. So there was iteration. So. What I would do, and what I can, what I continue doing, what I do in a vision, for example, is I will spend six weeks on a certain problem, which is, you know, which is amazing. I mean, now I understand that timeline is incredible. Like to get six or eight weeks, you know, to spend looking at a problem, and you know, and so what I would do is I would I would take six weeks and then go spend, for example, um, you know. I did this at ThoughtBot. I spent. I went in ThoughtBot in San Francisco a couple of days a week. Um, I went to Mule Design. Right, which is where I met Sarah. Um, hi, Sarah. You know, and and spent uh, a bunch of time there. Um, I've done this at other places. I'm doing this now for Envision. So what what Adobe let me do, and what Envision is continuing to have me do, is be able to spend a bunch of time with you know teams and designers, and to try and understand sort of those problems, um, which is really amazing. And so, sorry to get back to your question. So some of it is iterative, like some of it is just ongoing. Like if I'm on, like Envision is focused on product design, like it's an ongoing thing. I might have certain questions that will change and certain issues that I want to spend like four to six weeks looking at, or a certain population it could be enterprise, it could be this or that or whatever it is. Um, I mean, yes. Sorry, it's all iterative. <laughs> Got it. It's going to build on itself, you know, because I'm working in the same space. But Do you want to stay as a design anthropologist? That is a damn good question. You just started a new job. Would you like to keep that job? Yeah, I don't know. I do. Can be, I would love to keep it, this job. It can be that job, but does it have to be design specific? Like, could you do anthropology for like other functions within a company? I guess it's hard to harder well, at a design yeah, tool yeah, company. En but Envision's thing is like owning design, right? Right. But yeah. that goes into other things like product management and collaboration and hand yep. off to engineering, that kind of stuff, right? Well, yes. there's, a, there's a whole lot of ways to expand that. Sure. Out. sure. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think that, um, I mean, that's a really good question. I think that, and design anthropologist is a real thing. That is a, that is a real title, which is cool. But um, I think that I have 
like I said, basically spent the last three and a half years in this space. And it's been really interesting to me. And it continues to be really interesting. And I think that there are, are different ways, like Bryn was saying, to, to go off on it and sort of continue to understand new spaces um, around it. But at a certain point, you know, I th- like this will play out a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and admit that. Like, um, it's no pickling. Yeah, it's no pickling, man. And, you know, and then you're in a pickle. You know, but, uh, but you know, th- as an anthropologist, it's really, and this goes back to your question about would I ever produce like a, like a, a tech ethnography or a documentary or something. It's like I am automatically as an anthropologist, as an academic anthropologist, as, as a PhD. And, and, and for the record, you guys have yet to address me as Dr. Pearson. I call you Dr. Chuck all the time. Okay, Dr. Chuck will work. What are you talking about, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> How disrespectful can I be? <laughs> Kidding. Um, but in any case, it's like I, I think – like I'm, I just think on this meta level all the time. Like I, you know, I'm still, especially when I first joined software, I was like so much on the outside looking in. Um, I mean, I had huge culture shock at Adobe. It was just, I mean, just so many things were were amazing and weird to me. Um, I think that's kind of how we feel about Adobe too. <laughs> There's so many things that are going oh, on. There's so snap. many things going on. Some are amazing. Some are weird. Snap. Um, they killed fireworks. Yeah, they killed fireworks. Oh my God. That first summer, I mean, not that anybody I actually met that summer was using fireworks, but everybody was like, you killed fireworks. What's going on? You know. I like, used fireworks. You used fireworks, yeah. So you were, That's the thing I left for did, sketch. Did you type in all caps on like, where the fuck is fireworks? <laughs> that was Bryn. <laughs> and then uh, when I joined Figma, I found out Shokumoto used to work there. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I'd heard that I did. Yeah, I don't know him, but I'd heard that there was somebody there. You did yeah. something, director of engineering? I don't, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Do you still feel like an outsider looking in um, on design and tech? A little bit. Not as much, of course. I mean, Because you have friends now. I'm much more on the inside. I got friends now. You know, go to events. I know people. It's uh-huh. cool. Well, you're basically a designer. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm an anthropologist. No, once you know enough designers, you're just, yeah, don't you're just, you're just a designer. Don't insult him by calling him a designer. He's an anthropologist. No, I was just making fun of how designers <laughs> <laughs> A PhD. If, if enough of your friends are designers, you just become one. I, I, you know, you I, got plaid on. <laughs> that is true. You I are got, wearing a plaid shirt. It's flannel. Come on, some plaid. I can, I can, I can design a button. Flat now. is the pattern. I can design Flannels. a button now. I can make buttons. Okay, I'm a designer, right? Flat, flat yeah, buttons. Flat. You can you know, type them up. <laughs> that was the other thing that was interesting. That first summer was when oh, Apple yeah. introduced. Um, when they debuted iOS 7 iOS. or announced it, yes. it wasn't launched, but so everybody that summer was scrambling and figuring out how to move from skeuomorphic to flat, which was super interesting, uh-huh. actually. Who were those people? We were all on flat long before Apple. Well, what? but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever worked on a skeuomorphic interface, mm-hmm. like beyond like some beveled buttons. Like yeah. that's about it. Yeah. I did on like personal sites back in the day. I made like the, the wooden bookshelves and the, the lights and leather and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Right. The Sebastian DeWith of it all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to write a book? Oh man. Why do you ask me that question? Because I know you've thought about it before. Well, yeah. So this is where, and I'll just, I'll have a vulnerable moment with you guys. Um, So I've been working as an anthropologist, like literally since my twenties and uh, early twenties. And, um, as an anthropologist, your end product are books, right? That's 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 what you do. That's your product. That's that's your currency. That's what gets you tenure, the whole thing. And um, I have found myself in a number of like really interesting projects. I feel like like I did a huge project on my first. I cut my teeth on a project in San Francisco on homeless heroin addicts. Where I was spending a bunch of time on the street 
in the camps with like all these homeless dudes. And it was really interesting. Um, and the dissertation work I did was on the tea parties, like on conservative politics in the US, you know, at the beginning of Obama's sort of administration. That's only slightly more dangerous than the homeless heroin addicts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, I mean, this design stuff is like, is the safest thing I've ever done, man. <laughs> um, but the, so the tea party thing ended up in a dissertation, which the next step for me, if I'd stayed in academia, would have been a book. But I, you know what, I'll admit, I, I feel like I'm a good writer, actually. Like, I can definitely put a pen to paper. But um, my dissertation was okay. It was solid in a lot of ways. But I feel like what I found then was that I don't have... I feel like I don't have what it takes to sit down and actually be really thoughtful and put a put a really deep, solid book together. Because what I really enjoy and I feel like what I'm really good at is the research part of it. So in some ways, yes, I would love to write a book. But in other ways, I'm not sure if I'll actually end, ever end up there. Which which is okay. I'm, I'm okay I, with that. I think that's fine. I yeah. think like what you just said about you found the thing of yeah, the right. profession that you enjoy. Like why would you yeah. why would you not do that? Yeah. Why would you you know do something because it's like the way it's done, right? Yeah. Think about with that with the design process, like why are you doing that? Well, because it's what you do as a designer. It's like right. no no no, just yeah. like wait what? focus on what you're who good said at. that? Dude, like I'm not I'm not going to design icons because a I don't enjoy it. I I actively dislike it. I thought you were saying someone designed something and they their answer was because that's what you do as a designer. I'm like, oh no, what? no. Do they have any reason? No, no, no. Like, 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 that's what designers do. I mean, I honing, honing in on the things that you give a shit about. Like, I really just I think there are other people who would be so much better at doing that. Right. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to be unhappy doing that, unless I'm at a startup and I have to. I'll be happy yeah. doing that next to you. That's what I'm talking about. Collaboration, Nation. teamwork, design frames. Yeah. And the other, you know, it's interesting. The other part of it is that, um, I mean, well, I'll finish this thought though by saying I would love to write a book about my time in tech. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, you must have seen so much. Uh, like, what would yeah. you call it? I, I, oh, God. Unicorns. Yeah. You know, oh, God. Unicorn farts. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Something. You know what's funny? I just started watching Silicon Valley. Like, I just finished season oh, one. Oh, man. And I. <laughs> It is, it's so good. It's right? so like, good. Oh my God. The end to season one is just, it's like, the, it's genius. It is so amazing. I mean, I was just, we just, my wife and I just started, we just recently started, finished season one last week and I was dying. Like I was on the floor dying, but. Um, this is my life. <laughs> but so the thing is, I never, I didn't watch it because I was too scared. I was like, it, everything is already silly enough in so many ways. Like Silicon Valley is just going to be a nail through my heart, you know? But then I started, and then I finally gave in and started watching. I was like, oh my God, this is therapy. This is amazing. You know, it's really, it's good. It's good. It really bothers me when people like, are just like, no, it just feels like it's making fun of us. I'm like, no, that's the joke. Like we're in on it. Yeah. yeah. We get it. Yeah. 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 What we do that, is ridiculous. Yeah. There's so much nuance to that show. Anyways, we could. It's yeah, super, super so clever. It's just really clever. Just wait till designers show up. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, we're, we'll start season two soon, but Ooh, I'm excited. That's a good part. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, so what was the question before I went off? Uh, we were so just talking good about if you're interested in writing a book. Oh. And what the title would be. And what the title would be. Right. And how do you write a book about okra? <laughs> you, don't, you don't write a book about okra. You make okra and you, and you give it to people. And then you go skiing. So three and a half years, you work with a lot of designers. Hmm. You're about a third of the way into your 10-year tenure. 10-year <laughs> tenure. What are... I'm trying to think whether to go positive or negative. I'm going to go negative. 
What are designers? <laughs> there goes that nice boy TM. What are what are designers bad at doing when it comes to working with research? And how can we be better at at being part of that process and and understanding the way research informs product decisions? Damn, that is another good question. That one I actually wrote down. I just faked that whole build up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very well done. Um, you know, it's so it's interesting. I have so I have definitely worked with designers who did not want to work with research and they did not want to work with research because they did not want to have to grapple with user feedback essentially because some designers frankly just are scared of it potentially could be insecure um, they don't want to open up you know they want to protect their domain they want to sort of remain more in control of the design and the product I mean it's it's definitely can be a little bit like if you're really going to be part of a process that is grounded in user feedback. It's like at that point, design is partnering with the user in a sense and moving forward in that way. And that's, that requires the designer to sort of readjust their position a little bit and how they think of themselves as designer and, and in the product process. Um, so I've definitely worked some people who were just not interested and it was frustrating it was really frustrating like i just had to fight and claw and and try and work my way in because ultimately yeah, what how I, did you do that how, what, what did you have to do to get them to accept this process and the value of it well so it was you really put your foot down and say i'm a goddamn phd yeah <laughs> call me doctor motherfucker <laughs> um, listen no. um no i mean well you go around them yeah essentially you start, you know, you build closer and better relationships with the PMs, for example. Spin move. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you've, you know, you've got to get, you got to get buy-in on, on what you're doing and what's valuable around it from everybody on the team. But, um, but yeah, if the designer isn't that all interested, then you just got to go around them and and get other people to see the value, and then just create sort of a little, a little anthralanche. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like anthropology avalanche, creating avalanche research that they can't. I would have never guessed anthro lanch. Avalanche, yeah. And this is the first. We'll, we'll workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and you and Bryn can have a pun session, and he'll okay. He'll show you the ropes right. a little. Bit. Yeah, not a designer. I'm not. Ver- I'm not very punny either. Um, I, was, I was really disappointed you guys didn't dig in on persona non data, but whatever. <laughs> that was pretty good too. But I will say though that it seems like. More and more and more, and I have a very short view of this industry, but um, but I so rarely meet designers now that are actually research adverse, and it seems like the majority of designers that I meet now actually want more research and want to partner more deeply with research. That's great, to you know, hear. which is good. I mean, I, again, you guys can provide your perspective, you know, but that's what I always want is more time for research, at least. So yeah. if it's another person's like. If they can focus on it, I mean, that gives more time. I spend a lot of yeah. times in meetings begging for more research. Yeah. Please, please, yeah. we need more time. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, so is, do you have a, re- is there a researcher at Figma? Uh, that's a significant part of my role. So you're doing a lot of the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bryn's an undercover anthropologist. Yeah. He just doesn't want to say it out loud. Yeah. Steal, steal your spotlight. Yeah. Hmm. He's not a full girl. <laughs> he's, he's trying to decide how true this is. Well, I've, I've, you I've, are spending I've, a lot of time with designers understanding yeah. the way they work and the problems I've, they have. I right? have a very weird job. Yeah. So I just don't. Yeah. So you're going out, you're spending time with people. Like, yeah, I'd say that's about, probably that's cool. a third to a half of my time. And yeah. then uh, I also build things and shoot random videos and like yeah. <laughs> produce uh-huh. content. But are you, so are you doing research that you have to, that you're sharing with the team or oh, other people constantly. on the team or, or does it just go straight into the work that you do? Uh, it does go into my work yeah. as well. 
but most of it goes back to the team. Yeah. So there's a recognition of the value of research at Figma? People... I would definitely say so. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's great. I don't think it's described as research, but yeah. 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 Bryn's going to go spend time with Airbnb. Bryn's going to go spend time at Facebook. Right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty freaking nice, man. Yeah, lunch with you is great. Yeah. So this it's it is great. So I do I mean I do that right. I go it's to Airbnb. Fun. I go to Pinterest. I go to you know I'm optimizely thought I'm all over the place. Weebly. Um, it's funny. I've actually thought one of the things I should actually write about are are a bit Facebook or the lunches because I I feel like I'm one of these rare people that gets to hop around uh-huh. and has actually experienced like the 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 startup lunch. A from critical, many different perspectives. Oh my god! A critical analysis. <laughs> you a startup food critic. <laughs> oh my god! Food critic. Yes. Dottumblr.com. I love it. <laughs> there you go. I freaking love it. Uh, we're almost out of time. Mm, we are out of time. We like to ask at the end what keeps you up at night, and you can't say your kids because that's cheating. And I think you said it when we hung out in. <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys, you guys asked me that at Epicurrence Three and in we Park City. You and you're asking me now. And back then, you know, it was. <laughs> I'd had a few drinks. Feel like I went a little bit of a rant, um, but link uh, in the show notes for anyone who wants to hear. Yeah, go check it out. No, I mean back then I answered like my family, my kids, because I mean it does. It stresses you out, and any other parent would probably answer the same thing. I mean, what was really stressing me out then, which I couldn't talk about, was moving from Adobe to Envision. I had just oh, yeah. accepted an offer from Envision, but I couldn't talk about it. Um, publicly. Had, you know, publicly. I was very proud of you, though. Yeah, and so that's what I really want to talk about, but and that's what was really stressing me out and keeping me up at night because, you know, it was a big thing. It was a good chairlift conversation. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I told Bryn, he didn't tell anybody else. <laughs> um, but any case, what keeps me up at night? So I think about snow. <laughs> Oh, man, don't get me started. <laughs> I worry if we're going to be able to properly ski in the winter because that's that's a big thing. Um, what <laughs> Politics keeps me up at night because it is a worry, worrisome, worrisome, worrisome thing right now. On the topic of snow, Brian last night texted me and asked me if we could record on weekends, but he was concerned about flexibility because of ski season. <laughs> Recording yeah, on weekends said, is a blast. Yeah. But it means you can't go skiing. Yep. Yeah. Trade offs. <laughs> yeah. I, I I get it. I understand Trade-offs. it. I yeah. laugh so hard. Yeah. yeah. Skiing, politics. Skiing, politics. Um these are worrisome things. Yeah, you know, again, I'm just gonna sound like an entitled little brat, but <laughs> it's like um you know, I uh I don't know. Those things, I mean, I will say, so this is, this is work, work actually does not keep me up at night so much, which is nice. Um, you know, it's, which is a good thing. Like I've, I've, so when I moved from sort of academia to, to doing this applied work, this software work, like three and a half years ago, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. It was a huge thing for me. I had worked in a nonprofit place since like like restaurant work in college. Like I literally had not worked in an, in a for-profit institution um, since my early twenties. But um, so part of me was like, "Oh, you going to work for the man?" Like all that kind of stuff. I sold out. Sold out. I am a fucking sellout. And um, you know, part of me still feels like maybe that, that's you know, it's, there's a little bit of that still there. Um, but um, but you know, I'm I'm good right now. I like this work. I like the people I get to hang out with, which is which is you guys, which is a bunch of other awesome designers and and people around the city and. You know, I feel like, so I was at the start, I was at this meetup like a month ago and you were there. You were not there. Oh, that was at Weebly. Weebly. 
Okay. And Dan Petty was up there and somebody asked him a question. I can't quite remember the question. Um, it was something like, you know, what's changed most about you in the last, as a designer in the last 10 years, whatever. And Dan Petty answered like, I just, I don't care anymore. You know, oh wait, or maybe this was, was this there? No, this was at, um, oh my God. What's the San Diego conference? Uh, ValioCon. ValioCon. He said this at ValioCon. And I was like, there is truth to that. Not, not that I'm, not that I don't care, but I think as you sort of get older and you get a little bit better at sort of figuring out your work-life balance, you know, you can put it, you know, you can put things in perspective. But your question is impossible for me to answer when you sort of negate the kid thing, because that's that's honestly what keeps me up at night. It's like worrying about kids. All right, we're cutting worried this about segment. Family. We're cutting Come this on. segment. <laughs> Don't yeah. let it in. You can cut it. Um, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes but, total sense. You know, but the thing is, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't stay up at night often worried about work right now, which is, which is good. Which, you look well rested, Charles. You know, yeah. Which is my, <laughs> my manager is, she hears this, she's probably going to put the screws in me and pile on some more work, but you know. <laughs> what, Charles is well rested? Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's change that in yeah. any case. Well, we're over time. All right. Where can people find you online? Um, go. So I have this sort of retarded <laughs> Twitter can you handle. Talk about your Twitter handle. What does it mean? Okay, Why? that's, a, that's How? A, that is a good question actually. So my Twitter handle is is Medioras, which is M E D I A U R A S, and very memorable. It's not. Some people think it's a dinosaur thing. It's not a dinosaur thing. It's media auras, and so media auras. This this academic collapse them and and this idea of like media and auras is this has this long strand of thought in cultural theory and so I adopted that as my handle when it was still a little cool to not have your real name like people were just starting to attach their real name to everything I thought it was a play on the Lincoln Park album Meteora <laughs> I thought it was Media R Us. Yeah, see, everybody's got it, which, which is actually kind of cool. It's a little bit. I definitely like, didn't think you were that in people, Lincoln Park. <laughs> people, people attach. I don't even see. I don't even know what you're talking about. But um, people attach have different meanings for. It. It's a little bit goofy, but I'm just like whatever. I'm stuck with it. So cool. it is what it is. We'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah, reach out. Let's chat. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for coming cool. on. Here we are. Thanks, right. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Thanks to Dr. Chuck for coming and hanging out with us. That was a fun episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Give us your thoughts, feedback, suggestions, comments. We are anxious to hear. And of course, if you've been enjoying the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. Every review helps us reach new people, helps other people find the show, and it means a whole lot to us to read your feedback. Before we go, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that is Wayno. They are, again, and this is a tagline that they wrote for us, the all-singing, all-dancing, full-service digital agency based in San Francisco, New York, and Reykjavik. They're doing amazing work for incredible clients, and they are just sponsoring us because they want you to check out their work. They're not trying to sell you anything. Just go get inspired, follow them, uh, read the case studies on their website. And of course, if you just want a job or want to level up, they're looking for help at their New York and San Francisco offices for designers. They also just uh, have been working on this rebrand. They've got a new logo. They've actually done a bunch of rendering with Danny Jones, who works at Google on VR and has done a ton of incredible 3D work and uh, fantasy. Like They just helped fantasy build their new website follow along all the links are in our show notes or just go to their website at ueno.co thanks again bueno we'll see you on wednesday with julia casanova